0: Yo yo what's good everyone You are tuned in to the award winning Chart topping Globally renowned Behind the baller podcast I am your gracious host Benjamin Yang Baller A.K.A. the original washed lord Not the washed god I had to change that shit because you already see Some dudes trying to be the Wash god And it's just nah So I don't want there to be any kind of confusion But I'm definitely the lord of all lords When it comes to anything washed all right, I'm the real Koreatown Don Dada So yo, I'm officially on a diet I don't even, I mean I don't think I'm 220, or 215 But your boy 210 for sure right now I'm officially the biggest I've ever been It's pandemic, whatever the fuck it is But yo, real shit, for some reason I can't drink Coca-Cola anymore I didn't say I didn't want to I don't crave it. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And you guys, for those who know me, know me, for almost 40 years maybe, I drank an average of like four to six cans a day, four to six bottles a, you know, a day, a day. Six cans a day was a normal for me. Okay, six pack a day. And then I finally started to cut it down like in the last couple years to like two to three, maybe on the weekend and have like four on the weekends, right per day, and um, now for like the last month, in the last month, I might have had maybe two small cokes, so like maybe like one full can. Like I don't know what's going on. It's weird as fuck, and I'm sure it's it's good for my health, but again, I don't know. Who knows? And I know what soda's gonna you know, say. Oh, soda's bad for you, yo. Even if it is fucking bad for your health, I mean, who fucking knows? It's, it's just I don't know. You know what's bad for your fucking health? Reading bad advice on social media like those business pages I, I don't know why you know when you fucking click on one fucking thing you, by accident you click on some fucking girl's page and next thing you know her shit pops up everywhere and be like, fuck I can't get rid of this bitch you know what i'm saying like you just be fuck i clicked on a business page one time and i forgot what it was because i saw fake ass fight. i hate when they show a picture of elon musk and they say if you invest in this five times motherfucker he never said that shit why the fuck you use that shit? so fucking corny can't be an American thing. I refuse to believe someone in America is that fucking coin. I feel like it's someone from fucking Europe, man. And they always like oh they like post a picture of fucking uh Robert De Niro and be like your friends fucking stab you. But shut the fuck up, man. You know that stupid ass shit like oh man I start praying for fucking you know I prayed for God to keep people away from me and blah. Next year you know I'm missing family. Like shut the fuck up. What kind of shit like bro? Really? That's the shit you saw on MySpace. You know what I mean? We haven't evolved from that. But these business pages, you know, they're the ones that say, like, the smart person doesn't buy an iPhone 12. Instead of spending $900, you could use that $900 and make $5,000 by investing, bro. Like, the same people you're preaching to are the ones with that microwave-era mindset. You know what microwave-era means? They don't want to wait for that shit to cook. Motherfuckers want their shit in 30 seconds or a minute. They don't want to wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes for it to be stirred. And you know what I'm saying? On 300 not even three fifty on three hundred. Just my not low heat had that shit cook right. No, they don't have the patience to wait two to three years to make five thousand dollars. And you know what? To like you know, agree with their argument, some people at a certain age need to live their lives. All right, you can save all you want to, but if it takes away from some of the fun, then it's just not as valuable. You know, of course, being broke ain't fun either, and nobody should buy what they can't afford. And that's why Apple does those multi payments. And that's why having good credit is lit. All right. And people, you know, like, I might look at my shit. It's like, it just, I'd rather use the money. And I say, I'm not talking about the 900. I'm saying just more convenient to me and my brain. People are like, oh, no. and I shut the fuck up. In the long run, shut the fuck up. If it's interest free in fucking one year, shut the fuck up. All right. I see these business pages say, oh, the money you spend on memberships and each month, like on Netflix, it could have been, you know, money you use in stocks. You could have made on the same money and, you know, whatever, blah, blah, in two years if you fucking invested in Netflix or paid your monthly favorite service on Netflix, you would have spent $389. Today, that money would have been $18,000. Shut the fuck up, bro. Yeah. You know what? At the same time, bro, you, you invest in stocks. Guess what? You could also lose that money too, dick fuck. All right. But again, you got the resellers. Resellers today are reselling to avoid actually working, all right? Or they're trying to get rich quick. They see that their eyes light up. And man, I've been there. The game is fucked up, okay? They're hustling backwards. These resellers are desperate these days. They are so fucking desperate. They don't know how to fucking make anything marinate. They don't know, but it's all good. Eventually things go back up because people use shit, you know? But- when there is a ridiculous abundance of something and people don't know, they panic. They don't know. They're just fucking just weirdos, man. You know, you should never finance a resale item, okay? Meaning if you don't got it, don't buy it, all right? Okay. If you're going to spend $300 to make $500 and don't give a fuck about the item you're getting, you already lost. Dude, do, kabish do, do you follow me? Nothing is guaranteed in the resale game. Even if it's a fucking Travis Scott shoe, it doesn't matter, all right? And what is the point of going through the hassle to buy some shoes that you wanna sell to make a hundred dollar profit? And some people are like, oh, a hundred dollar profit is so better than nothing. No, man, but it's like you went through all that trouble for what? Why don't you let somebody else have it and cook? Why don't you let it just marinate and and be great? You gotta let shit be great sometimes. Motherfuckers are just trying to like, it's just weird, man, they wanna salt and go out there and panic and be desperate and be weird. Even if you're making 100% profit on something, it's better to hustle something. Okay, let me give you guys an advice. All right, one of my boys taught me this. One of my, my Jewish relatives taught me this. And he said, look at man, better to buy something at $5 and flip it for $12 and do that 100 times a day. All right, it's also a lot safer. But in regards to items that are like sale on, on things that they sell on, on eBay or StockX, really more so StockX, not eBay, Right. Buy what you like. So if you're stuck with it, who gives a fuck? You can rock it. You can wear it. You can use it. Whatever it is, you can enjoy it, all right? When you buy a Rolex, depending on how much you pay for it and depending on the model, you could come up, okay? Or more importantly, you could just enjoy wearing a decent timepiece and impress some broke folks, you know what I'm saying? And you could, you know, hand it down to your son one day right or you could flip the watch for what you paid for it depending again what you paid for it you know what i mean you could flip your watch for maybe even money maybe make a little money but even if you lose a couple grand on like a thirty thousand dollar purchase or if you lose like maybe fifteen hundred or eight thousand dollar purchase like you know there's certain things you shouldn't lose on you're just doing it wrong again hustling backwards when you buy real estate, you shouldn't lose money. No matter what fucking fees, with the real estate agent fees and all that stuff and everything else, you should be, if you do it right, you should be good, all right? Now imagine, we're going back to the Rolex. Imagine if you lease the watch, right? Let's say you're paying $500 a month for you know, a used Day-Date, okay? And by the time your lease is up, you had nothing, right? Well, I mean, unless there was like a residual and an option to buy, um, then maybe you'd come up. But at the same time, like a couple grand bro how much did you fucking enjoy this watch it's like that shit's out and so we're like oh well you just waste some money no you didn't because everything depreciates it and, and you know whatever it may be but when you go up it really doesn't like you know some things go up some things go down but you're gonna pay you're gonna go pay to see a movie did you lose money on the movie now oh it's a waste of money you could saw the movie in the fucking backseat for this no man you want to enjoy something like, you know what I mean? When I go see a fucking movie, I want to lay down. I want to fucking sit in the seats with the fucking button with the usher and order bottle service or whatever the fuck it may be. I don't give a fuck if it costs 50 bucks, all right? I enjoyed that shit. I got my money's worth in enjoyment. I want to sit here and fucking be, all, you know, next to fucking 75 people and be on the back with some motherfucker sneezing, and fucking bad breath, shit like that. Motherfuckers just like, nah, man, you know? But- you know going back to leases and stuff, I, there's so many different I, I, We'll do that in another episode because people wonder, Oh man, you're leasing, you don't own it. What the fuck are you talking about? Some people kill me sometimes. Like, they were talking shit about some dude who was paying like $20,000 a month in leases, and they're like, Oh, this dude's a broke, he's a clown. Meanwhile, this dude was using the $300,000, $600,000 to buy shit, and was making money, and he was writing off the thing like I do, man, I wish I could lease more than one car per business, because that shit's a write-off, right, and at the end, I end up winning, especially depending on how the fucking, what the residual is, man, you guys really just don't get it, but again, there is too much to get into with leasing, I'm just saying the reseller game is fucked up, it's fucked up right now, people are weirdos, man, And it's just, I don't know, it's too much to get into. I've gone too far, but that doesn't mean I can't stop this motherfucking button right now. And that is why I got a great producer like Miles Davis who can cut to the break. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We're going to cut to a break real quick. But nah, man, that that was a fake break. Bottom line, business pages are the stupidest thing on IG. They'll rot your brain. I'd rather you look at some fucking thoughts and bikinis and everything else, man, and fucking try to get your serotonin levels up or anything. There are lessons that these business pages are trying to teach you or these tips that you should have learned in eighth or ninth grade like economics class, all right? If you didn't learn that in fucking economics or some basic business class, then yo, you need to go back to fucking school, okay? But now let me talk about something that is important. You know what's important? Voting. All right. I'm about to put on this interview with my friend Tahani Abushi, who is running for Manhattan District Attorney. All right. She's running for the DA in Manhattan, New York. And she's going to break down some real shit. And look, I know we have never had a politician on this podcast before or anything of the sort. But I truly actually wish I had a political, you know, Michael Rapport has a political correspondent on his show. I wish we had one for BTB. Okay. Who knows what's going to happen on November 3rd I know it's not going to be pretty And like I've said, I don't think that a president Is going to be elected on November 3rd But I'm going to tell you this I'd rather pay 80% in taxes For four fucking more years Than have that dumb fuck Who's in office All right? But let's get to a real break now, Miles Okay, And let's get into this dope ass interview Listen to this lakey lake for a little bit Hear this ad And we'll be right back with this uh Political interview with my friend Tahani. All right, y'all. Yo, listen up, fellas. Today we have a new product alert. Manscaped just dropped the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Now that you've got your below the belt grooming game on lock, it's time to keep your ear and nose hair in check. Don't be looking like a wind in the willows, motherfucker. Nobody likes hairy ears or hairy nostrils. And if you're hearing this for the first time and you haven't copped the lawnmower 3.0, you need to do that ASAP. All right, this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. It makes sure it's not a painful process like usual. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system, plus it's waterproof. It's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. I hope you don't use that motherfucker for 90 minutes. All right. Also, you will be sent a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Guys, it's time to upgrade your manscape routine with the weed whacker. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BALLER at manscaped.com. Much love to Manscaped for keeping our grooming game on point. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BALLER at manscaped.com. As always, this offer is extended to all of the BTB army up in Canada, the UK, and even Australia. All right, guys, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BALLER. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? We have a new type of guest on behind the baller. We ain't never had nobody <laughs> on this type of level. Uh, we're about to get our political legal game on, Okay. So please welcome Tahani Abushi, who is running for Manhattan District Attorney. Tahani, what's good?
1: Hey, how's it going, Ben?
0: I'm good, man. I'm chilling. You know, just quarantine, same old drama. You know what I mean? Just
1: I know. That's
0: it, you same, know? Same
1: same goes over here in New York. I'm really excited to be on with you and to, to talk about some real stuff going on.
0: No, for sure. And I know um, because of your... The nature of your business and things like that. Like, yo, I I kind of free flow on here. So excuse my potty mouth. Um <laughs> I do have a college ed- <laughs> no, that's fine. I do have a college keep education. It real,
1: keep it the way you are. There's there's no reason to change it.
0: No, for sure, for sure. Yo, let's get right into this real quick, man. So please break it down to the people. Like we talk about business. I have a lot of entrepreneurs on here. One thing is a buddy of mine who is the guy who got me to start podcasting he has a political correspondent that comes on. He's really just super articulate and everything. And, you know, I just speak on my opinions, really. I don't get too deep into I've never broke into the GOP or this and that and whatever. And just, you know what I mean? I just really, it, it is a business podcast, but we obviously wander into a lot about my lifestyle my come up. So with that being said, these people are going to maybe be super foreign and just not knowing at all. So you'd have to break this down like to them, but, you know, what is a district attorney, right? And what is their role in criminal justice reform?
1: Right, so the criminal justice movement, right, has a lot of different parts. And the main thing is how do we get our society to a place where we are focusing on investing in our communities, addressing root causes of crimes and preventing them, and also making sure victims have the services they need to move on, right? And so here's one person an elected position, the district attorney, whose job is to decide who to charge, what to charge, and what penalty, if any, to recommend. And this person is the deciding factor between a stable home or incarceration, uh, a future filled with opportunities, or one that looks like uh, a field of landmines where any wrong move lands you back in court for some reason, or maybe prison or jail. So it's a lot of power, sometimes unchecked power. Uh, and it's someone that can really impact your life permanently for generations to come.
0: No, you know, um, <laughs> a girl I dated in junior high school who I have not seen in, we were we became friends on Facebook like five, six years ago. And I hadn't seen her. Her husband is a friend of mine also since back then. I had, you know, seen him seldomly here and there. And, um, she had a name change, and, and, and I kind of tried to figure out, was wait a second, you're married to my boy, your last name is different, for, and your maiden name is different. So I was just, was, it kind of made me think, I wonder why. Never thought two things about it. Um, I got into a situation where um, the likeliness of my business is very spooky, very funky, could be crazy at times, and um, an illegal discharge of a firearm happened. And not only did that that happen, this is a true story. I I don't like, I just don't lie at all, period. But um, a buddy of mine wanted to look at my gun. He, you know, and the the crazy thing was, we're all grown men, boom, very big mistake on my part. I did trust the man for the simple fact that he's a father. Certain things that we've done, he's from Hawaii. Um, We've had some very good times with our families. And every time I go to Hawaii, him and his wife take care of me and things like that. And he's a grown man, very, very calm-natured, funny guy not at all whatsoever, like a drama person or anything, not into any gang activity, nothing. And so he saw my piece. This is my daily carry. It was very small. He's a very big dude. He's like your brother's size, right? And uh, the gun was very small in his hand, boom. And and I carry multiple magazines, you know, because, I mean, if you're going to, if you know, if something happens, you never know, right? I mean, <laughs> what happens if you miss and seven bullets are gone or eight bullets are gone and, you know, you may need more rounds. So with that said, He thought that the clip was out of the gun because he saw so many clip out of the gun. Mm -hmm. So he took and cocked the gun back and then the bullet came out. He thought the chamber was clear. Oh, okay. don't, Don't ask why. He shot the gun, okay? I instantaneously became deaf for a second. We're inside a hotel suite. I got hit in the mouth with shrapnel. He ended up shooting his cousin in the stomach. So now the Department of Justice gets involved. This is, this is not going away. You know, this is serious. And so this is, this is a big deal. Now, in a million years, I didn't think like, wait a second, I got to get an attorney. This is my, like, I didn't do anything, but it was my gun. Now, his attorney that he hired, he hired like kind of like a sleazy guy. And the guy's like, you got to tell him, you have to tell the court that Ben didn't tell you the gun was loaded. And I'm like, hold on, check this out. Wait a minute. Let me, let me tell you something real quick, bro. Like, Doug, you know and I know that like, bro, you asked to see the gun, regardless for whatever reason, my fault, whatever, whatever. But yo, don't even try to put this on me. You know what I mean? Like I was a grown man, a grown man. And he's like, dude, I forgot to tell you something. I have a felony and this could put, so he got a written letter from his cousin, his aunt, which is his cousin's uh, you know, mom saying that he's not, you know, that they're not pressing charges, blah, blah. This is a mistake, boom. But because someone was involved in a shooting, this is a big deal now. So it ends up being drama. He's looking at time and I'm like, listen, I had to hire the counsel and um, my counsel was like, hey, listen, I don't think I need to be there. And uh, I will tell you everything you need to say, but you got to be truthful. And he goes, if he tries to go with that route, you need to say straight up, you know, you told him, you know, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Boom. So with that being said, we're sitting in the courtroom. I'm watching some guy who robbed a, a hotel say some bullshit story. I'm watching in front of me and he's on camera. <laughs> like, he's like, you know, I'm just watching these cases happen in front of me. And I'm getting anxious because I'm like, shit, man, this is a bad deal. And all the sheriffs that were there that night that had arrested him, boom, whatever, they're there. And um, because of, I guess, my, uh, I don't want to say celebrity status, my, my political, not my, um, I'm sorry. My, no, um, your,
1: your status is, that's the right way. Your celebrity status, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, but I, I hate using that. So I say, like, let's say public figure, right? So I guess, you know, the, the media is there a little bit. And um, I don't know how the hell they found out. No idea. TMZ had asked me, hey, were you trying to get, the rumor is you were getting robbed jewelry I was like no what the fuck are you talking about I wasn't getting robbed like no what are you guys talking about so anyways I'm sitting in the courtroom and this girl walks by me and she goes Ben Yang and mind you there's a court case going in front of me right with the judge and everything and I was like yeah what's up and I was like Pam what are you doing here and she's like I'm a DA and I'm like you're the DA and she's like well I'm a deputy DA and she's like hold on one second and this is a girl who grew up a very privileged life super privileged Married into a family worth nine figures, you know, $100 million plus family. Um, She's not that type of girl at all whatsoever. 10 minutes later, she walks out with a yellow sheet of paper. And she goes, Ben, I don't know what the hell is going on here. But you know what? Just can you stay out of trouble, please? And you owe me big time. And then she left. She didn't say nothing to me or anything. I see the attorneys talking, boom, whatever. Next thing I know, she dismissed the case. And she wasn't even part of the, she wasn't even the deputy DA that mm. was handling that. I could not believe the level of, like my boy had spent 25 grand just on, you know, just to get the retainer, get everything going. And he was like ecstatic, right? But I was like shocked. So that was my only experience with the deputy DA, not the DADA.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that just shows you, right? That kind of influence and power that these individuals have over your life especially through the criminal justice system, through a court case with your friend having priors and it being compounded by this incident and them interpreting interpreting the incident the way they want to and then making the decision that happens after that. And that's why this is an office that people need to pay attention to more, especially when we see things going on across the country. When we talk about you know criminal justice and we see these incidents happening everywhere, we say, why is nothing happening? Why, why isn't it translating? Like, we all see the same thing. We all hear about the same thing. But then when it gets to our courts, it falls flat. And then everybody just stays frustrated and we keep taking to the streets protesting. But then it never really translate into permanent change.
0: Right. So so Kamala Harris, right? She mm-hmm. was the district attorney for San Francisco, correct? Right. So what I want to ask you is something that I think a lot of my, my audience is very interested in. And i was just curious if you could break it down in layman's terms, like in the most basic terms, what does defund the police truly mean?
1: So I think, you know, that the terminology has really just bogged down the entire conversation. What we need to start talking about in terms of is investing in our communities. Now, you look at the safest cities across the country, pick any state. You don't see an overwhelming presence of cops. You just don't see patrol cars everywhere. You don't see foot patrol everywhere. There aren't floodlights blasting into people's apartments. You don't see precincts in every other corner. Um, What you do see though, are good schools, full employment, community centers, access to mental health resources, access to social service programs. And that's what we're saying we need to bring to our communities. Instead, communities of color and low-income communities are heavily policed. The funds are cut. And so look at the pandemic, right? The pandemic just ripped the scab off of problems we've had for a very long time. Homelessness, poverty, substance use disorder, mental health illness, right? We've been suffering with that for a long time, but society has just pushed it into the shadows and said, you know what? Look away. Let's, you know, we don't need to acknowledge those problems. And so now they're front and center. And for New York, for instance, we had a big budget crisis. And so they cut hundreds of millions of dollars from our Department of Education. We don't know the plan to open up schools. It's not safe to put our kids back into schools. We have no idea what we're going to do, but we cut funding. We cut majority of our summer youth program that had millions of dollars earmarked for our youth to give them some money during the summer. We cut majority of those. Our social service programs, we cut those budgets, right? And so we took funding away from things that give us stability and security. But when it came time to the police budget, that was off limits. And so the question was, why did every other agency get cut? And why did our most needed resources get cut? But this agency was off limits at a time where we really need to figure out how to spread what we do have and keep everybody's head above water. And so what what we're talking about here is we need to start investing in our communities and put people first because we have a choice, right? We make a conscious decision whether we are going to prosecute families who are struggling to provide or whether we're going to fund programs that help them put food on the table, Are we going to prosecute people for struggling with substance use disorder and homelessness and poverty? Or are we going to start funding community-based organizations that are going to address those root causes and get people on their feet permanently? And those decisions that we make is what's this difference between a community that is heavily policed, that is prosecuted for generations to come, and one that thrives and has that security and stability and financial success.
0: Yeah, no that's uh you know the way you broke that down actually. I did know what it meant, but at the same time, I, how do I say like I could never repeat it to somebody else. Does that make sense? Like I understand yeah, a lot
1: of people were confused because like people feel some type of way about law enforcement
0: right, right. At, I, so, sorry between me and you and this is something i've been very openly um i've discussed this i'm very not a big i'm just not a big fan of the police just honestly yeah. i'm just not i mean I've there's been, just
1: no community trust it's been bad interactions from the jump right um nobody has trust uh, the community's been attacked and marginalized and prosecuted and communities of color have been made to be the face of crime in cities across the country right like we've seen the privileged and the powerful commit crimes and nobody says anything. I mean, we've had big cases here in New York where you know Epstein was trafficking children and the Manhattan DA was like, well, let's not be crazy and jump to prosecution and talk about jail time, right? Let's slow down. Meanwhile, you jump the turnstile here and you'll get slapped with enough charges, fines, and fees that you'll spend the rest of your life circling in and out of court over.
0: Yeah, it's just silly.
1: And so, yeah, and so we know there's people are capable of mercy and justice, right? And understanding the circumstances, but it's really just a matter of who you are and how much money do you have and how much power do you have? And that has become the deciding factor in what happens to people. And so to get back to this conversation, right, we feel some type of way about law enforcement and people start talking about it from that perspective. Meanwhile, law enforcement is a whole different subject. What we're talking about is how are we investing in our families, and how are we strengthening our communities for the long term?
0: Well, you know what's funny is, my middle son, Ryder, he's most like me. He's a rascal. He's a character. Um, we've never had interaction with police before. I'll tell you the truth, I went through a very long period of time where I just, I mean, you know, the times with you know that I've been a father, um, I've been pulled over many times, but I haven't had any issues with with my son in the car. But My middle son, and he hasn't watched, like, he watches a lot of YouTube and things, but I'm just curious where he, but he's terrified of the police, like terrified. Don't call the police, daddy, please. Like, I'm like wondering why he, you know, where he got that from, where he got it from. And I don't know if it's like, if there's, I mean, I know, look at (laughs) genetically and like you can inherit certain things, but (laughs) to have the fear of the police, that just, I don't believe that's in his DNA. You know, I just can't believe that that pops up. But growing up in Koreatown, growing up in the hood, you know, we just never liked cops, you know, um. And then obviously I lived in Beverly Hills for a very long time. I still think it was policed pretty decently, but at the same time, I do agree with what you're saying because the public schools in Beverly Hills are, there's a reason why some people are spending 30 to 50,000 for public, you know, for private schools when you don't need to do that at Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills, it's like, you're just good. And there's there's a reason why the real estate in my neighborhood is up so high and why a house may go over market most of the time is because people wanna be in the school district of where, and the funny thing is, my kids don't even go to that school, you know, in, in the district I'm in. But um, I'm curious, where did you grow up?
1: We all grew up, my siblings and I, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. In, oh, shit, in the seventies and
0: eighties. Yep. Really? Yep. You're familiar with Sunset Park? I mean, yeah. Just for the simple fact that you know, like, I mean, I was fascinated. I lived in New York for two years. I was fascinated with Brooklyn, um, and then I found out what East New York was, and then. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going through Bushwick and I'm like going through that area So I'm going through like Frank, and I, my boy was like, yo man, I'm from FAP. And I'm like, the fuck is FAP? He's like Franklin Avenue Posse. And my boy's like, hey dog, don't go down Franklin Avenue. And I was like, what man, bro? Dog, I'm going to Alby Square Mall, bro. You tripping, dog. I'm going over. And I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't care about what you're talking about. Mm, but For somehow, you learned about it, right? Did th- I learn about it, yo? <laughs> exactly. This is before I lived there. Look at like, like there was two areas I tried to avoid, right? And I was very fortunate to um, a friend at well, a girl I was messing with her family was from Park Slope, so I thought Brooklyn was good because you know she's from like Beverly Hills of Brooklyn, right? I was like, okay, cool. And then you see, like at that time, Bensonhurst wasn't as Asian pop as like now. Bensonhurst has a ton of Asians, right? Even before it was mostly like uh, Italians. A lot of racist, crazy stuff going on over there. But you know, I was like, look, I just know if I'm going to the Bronx, I gotta really think. Do I need to go to the Bronx? Should I go see this girl over there? Nah, I'm good. No, I'm not going to the Bronx. But then you know, I really found out what East New York was, and like that part of of Brooklyn was like. Almost as if they didn't give a fuck, you know, they, didn't get, they just they were just like, boom. And then, you know, of course, the movie Sunset Park with Frederick Starr and things like that. Right, and, right. And um, damn, I had no idea your brother and you <laughs> grew up in that area. Yeah. So,
1: well, you know, it was very, it was a very typical Brooklyn neighborhood. There was, you know, immigrant parents, first generation American kids, you know, everybody trying to make ends mean, very communal very diverse in our neighborhood as well um from uh we had koreans on our block puerto ricans irish caucasians like you name it it was just a mix and and everybody was trying to like just make it work within the families
0: right well you know look man new york is so diverse it's crazy like la is diverse but it's just so spread out new york i tell people all the time like yo man you are forced to deal with each other it's a different type of thing and with that being said If we could just real quick, you know, jump over to Minnesota. Yeah. Could you give me like a little bit of your opinion on this George Floyd situation?
1: Yeah, I think the George Floyd situation was one of those moments where we should have just done the right thing. I mean, the entire world watched a black man get strangled to death for eight minutes on video. And, you know, the district attorney, his immediate response was... I don't know if there was criminal activity. I know
0: what you saw. Hold on, a second. Criminal activity between the, the, you mean amongst the police or you mean amongst? On
1: behalf of the, yeah, on behalf of the police. Shit. Everybody was like, you need to charge the police. This was just like straight up a murder. And he was like, yeah, I get it, right? I hear you, but I don't think we saw the same thing. And this is somebody whose judgment trumps all of our judgment, right? His decision trumps all of our decision. And so the entire world was watching and everybody knew what to do. And he came out and was like, I don't think so, right? And so what did that do? It caused this firestorm of people saying, enough, right? Stop stop trying to convince us that we didn't see what we saw and just do the right thing, right? And you see these officers acting uh, in an inappropriate way unnecessarily. You have to have some kind of accountability. And so it wasn't until everybody put so much pressure that, the DA was like – or the, the county attorney, they call him over there, had to step aside, and they had the attorney general, Keith Ellison, who just did the right thing. He was like, I'm going to prosecute the cops. Yeah. We're no, going to charge
0: them. My question now, though, is this. Okay, so remember, as uh, a day goes by, two days go by, finally – and then you know, we I, I took him, what, maybe two weeks to finally get all the body cam? Because There was two different angles in the third. Then you get like that one angle, you're like, bro, and
1: then all the street videos yeah. from all the civilians that took them yeah. and submitted and, and, them.
0: And then you're like, look, okay, check it out. Let's just say everything he did was wrong. Let's say he was a piece of shit. let's say he was a bad guy. Let's say all those things, okay? Let's just say About all that. George, yeah, let's just say all George. So let's say bad with George back, okay? Great, cool. Let's Doesn't say, matter. He, let's say he was spending a 20 dollars bill that was fake, okay? Great. What does that got to do with Doesn't you matter. stepping on his neck? That's what I want to yeah. know. I'm just curious. That, well,
1: no, it has nothing to do with it. That is the distraction that the media and law enforcement uh, supporters will throw out there. It's like, well, you know, when he was 16, he did this and he might have been homeless shit. and he was using a counterfeit bill. And then so the question is, so you kill them? So, so are we saying that if any of us did these things or were suffering from these social inequities, are we saying cops can kill us then? And then you have to understand that these cops, right, are trained professionals for exactly these moments. They're trained for, right, adversarial interactions. And so they're saying, well, the civilian should have never struggled. The civilian should have known better. The civilian should have had it planned out when you have this scary, hyper, uncertain situation. And the The officer is the one who's excused for that knee-jerk, emotional, uh, unplanned reaction. And so the tables have turned with who we're expecting to do what. But, you know, regardless of whatever background or dirt they dig up on people, the focus always has to be on what did the officer do with what was going on at that time. And for George Floyd... He was on his stomach, with a knee on his neck, and his hands behind his back, with other officers holding him down.
0: Yeah, and he wasn't moving. He wasn't fighting. He wasn't. Like, he was moving. Yeah, he was like "fuck you, motherfucker." that. You know. So look, let me you ask you. But you know what?
1: Even if he did.
0: No, no, I get. It. I know, trust did. me, I yeah. know. I'm just saying that he wasn't. So if he was, at least that'd be more of an argument than him being, you know, whatever he compliant was at 16 and or whatever. Be- begging for mercy, but yeah. it wasn't. Even like he was compliant. He had nowhere else. He had nothing he could do. You know what I'm saying? He was. He had a foot on it. You know? He was. He was. So with that said, and that then embarrassed me the most is that two of the guys. Well, one guy was full Asian. Other guy was like part Asian. I'm like, come on, man, fuck. You know? I just that's like the last thing I need from just because with all the division going on. But well, my,
1: you know, that's just shows the, the culture of law enforcement. And that's why that's what people are rallying against is that there's a way that they're taught and trained that we have a problem with and something that you can't fix through training or through reforming. We have to start figuring out, you know, how do we really have accountability here? We can't keep having these conversations every time somebody is murdered at the hands of law enforcement and the whole world watches and then nothing happens.
0: Okay, so I want to stop you there. I'm going to continue on this right here because I want to ask you something. But before we do that, you obviously saw Derek Chauvin made bail last week, right? Right. So my question is he made a million-dollar bail. I mean, Jesus Christ. If you were the DA of, in, the, in that part of Minnesota, would you have given him remand or would you have given him bail? Like, I'm just curious what you would have done.
1: So with these kind of questions, the most important thing is to have the victims— part of that conversation, right? One thing that we have to be careful about bail reform, right, or the bail conversation is the point of bail is to guarantee that somebody comes back to court. And what's been happening across the country is an abuse of that system where we're now making people pay to wait for the resolution of their case at home versus putting them in jail. And jail is a violent place. So you come out way worse off than you went in and all because you couldn't pay your way out for this temporary part right and so for here in this case depends what the community wants depending on how they see it unfolding and how is if any of this guy is is a flight risk and is he going to come back so those are questions i think should be opened up to what the community wants what do the victims want how do we see justice and accountability being served
0: right i just fuck that they didn't deserve bail (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's my personal opinion, you know.
1: Yeah, and and but this is why, but this is also why basing bail on an economic model, right? Do you have the money? There will always be somebody that's putting up the money. I mean, there was this kid in, I think it was Wisconsin, who had the AK and went around shooting protesters, killed two bit, it, right? And look, there was a GoFundMe for his legal fees. Yeah, and he his got over a million dollars. Yeah, I know that over Fuck a million dollars. So, yeah, but. If you're going to base it off of money, there is money. No, no, I, 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 get, it. I get it. And those who support will pool it for that. You know that, what though? You know? With,
0: with, with Chauvin, I think because, you know, his wife left, boom, whatever. And I don't know if that was a chess move because, you know, like for the for the division of the state and whatever, depending on what was going on.
1: Yeah, equitable distribution yeah. for yeah. divorce, yeah. So, me? Nah.
0: okay, fuck all that. We've discussed it. Let's go back to what we were talking about a second ago when you we were talking about people getting involved. So what can the people do to get involved? Please tell me.
1: So it's very important that you vote. I know people get tired of hearing that, you know, we protest, we make our voices heard, but we want to start seeing change. And district attorneys is really the most immediate change here. It's different than any other office. For me, this fight for criminal justice reform is very personal. You know, I've been a civil rights attorney for over 10 years. I fight against discrimination. I fight against police violence and excessive force. I also represent minors who are sexually assaulted in schools. Um, And... I've been able to change policies here in our city that not only make us safe, but also hold our systems of authority accountable for their abuses. And it started when I was 14 and my father was sentenced to 22 years in prison. And overnight, my mother became a single parent of 10 kids. Holy shit. And so we struggled and, and we held on to things like our education to make sure we didn't end up in the gutter and in the shadows of society because this system throws families away, point blank. You are not meant to survive this, right? So the fact that like three of us became lawyers and we're doctors and we did our degrees and blah, 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 it's like amazing, right? But it's not because there's anything special about our professions, although, you know, it's great, it's because we survived the system meant to keep us down. And so that triumph is like, wow, it's possible, but that's not enough, right? We have to stop the damage. And here's one office that's elected, right? Right. That you have a say. You have a say in electing somebody that's not going to throw families away. It's going to invest in families, invest in your communities, and hold those who commit these abuses accountable and put no one above the law, right? It's time to center our justice around people, not privilege. And so this is where your vote matters. Every other office is important. We get it. But this is one person that has that power individually, to make these differences in our communities. And so I think people really need to start paying attention to their district attorney, county attorney races, um, know who they are, demand the highest level of integrity um, and accountability from candidates and those who are in office, and make as much noise as possible when they step out of line.
0: Okay, so question, when is the election for the DA uh, for Manhattan?
1: So for Manhattan, our election is June twenty twenty one. Shit, I would love for yep. Yeah, it's well, you know what? It's not far away. No, not like at all. Think. Trust me, I'm so. We got insane. some
0: work to do. We got. I got yeah, some rallying to do for you. I got work. some lobbying yeah. to do.
1: There's a lot of work. We've done very well. You know, we've been endorsed by a lot of high powered people and organizations like Sean King's Real Justice Pack. Um, this amazing organization that has been electing progressive prosecutors across this country in 10 states and counting, including in in California, Chase Boudin. Um, He's another big one for you guys over there. Um, And so we got their endorsement. We're doing really well. But in order to stay the front runner, we have to keep aggressively fundraising. We have to keep the momentum uh, going to make sure that we win. And so, you know, I would love everyone's support, their questions, their concerns, their input. We're not planning to do this alone. We're not just the grassroots campaign. We're an impacted community led campaign because those closest to the problem should be closest to the solution. And it's time for us to lead the charge to this new future of stability and security for our communities.
0: No, for sure. Now, to take it to the highest level, what are your thoughts of this guy in office now with the orange face and the terrible hair, acting as president? I'm just curious. What you, just, I just want to know your just your honest opinion about this dude.
1: My honest opinion is, we tend to live in a bubble in our cities, in our big cities, and we think, you know, we're progressive. Everybody gets along. We all know how to do the right thing. But he represents the larger, real part of this country that still very much exists, and that's one that is. Bigoted and racist and sexist and all about dividing and supporting white supremacy. Yeah.
0: Someone told me, I'm sorry, unless I'm you continue, but someone just said last night in these comments, I went off on some shit, and it got like, dude, for a comment to get fifteen thousand likes, you already know some shit going on. Like a comment, not the fucking picture, you know. But what I'm getting at is, Sky's like, you know, these Russian bots and these people, they're like, Do you so stupid. Did you watch the town hall?" Donald Trump has condemned white supremacy countless times. Like, you are fucking stupid as fuck. I have met this man several times. I know his kids. I tell people, as much as I hate this dude, and for the simple fact that I'm not even a Democrat, which is crazy, right? And and that I have this opinion about him, and, you know, they're really either brainwashed and, like, you know, if he says two plus two equals five— I honestly think that 13% – look, that's a lot of people. 13% might really believe it, which is fucking crazy. So go on. I'm sorry. So so yeah, so he's –
1: No, so that's it. I completely agree with you. He has this blind, loyal following, um, and it's gotten so aggressive and divisive um, and hateful. I mean, there was a time in this country where you could agree to disagree and, and still have lunch with somebody. But now, especially with social media and, and anonymity on social media, it just gets so dark and nasty real quick. And this is because it isolates his base. And if he gets his base voting, then he can continue talking the way he is. That's why it's important for everybody to get out and vote and vote him out so he understands that this might have worked the first time where we all didn't really think you were going to make it or that your base yeah. was this well, strong, we did, we did, right? First of all, we were like- you
0: gotta remember, you know, we didn't vote or a lot of people didn't, you know what I mean? So it's, and and, and that's yeah. the issue where his people did. Whereas, you know, now it's a whole different ball game. There's way more votes and this is a pandemic, so it's harder to vote and there's way more votes in than there was, you know, with 16 days left and whatever it may be. Now you said something that just fucking hit me harder than ever, Look, when it came to politics, it wasn't that I necessarily believed in. Um, I'm trying to think, Bush, George W. Bush, the father. You know, obviously either McCain, whether it may be, and whatever. For the most part, it was for different reasons. Um, if we were going to be taxed more, I feel like, hey, well, you know what that means? Then that means I gotta work harder then, because a lot of people right now with this wealth gap, um, they need it more than we do. So that's fine, fuck it. You know, I'm gonna pay more taxes. I've gotten tax issues before and it's fine. I don't mind that. I would pay 60% tax to get this motherfucker out of here. So with that said, when you said you were able to have lunch with somebody and boom, and I think more so, I think I consider myself independent than anything now, but I I voted for Biden already. And um, with that said, you know, my problem is, I did have lunch with anyone. Never had a problem with Democrats in my entire life. Never ever. It was always with people that are Republican. Now, the issue is one of my good friends who I've spoke about this on the show, and it's terrible because he does listen to the show and he probably listen to this, but you know, his um <laughs> it's really unfortunate that it gets down to this, but I could have lunch with a lot of people. But now the more than ever am I seeing real true colors come out. When people are like, yo, bro, you really, you're not going to vote for Trump? Like, have you lost your motherfucking mind? Like, bro, how could you say that for, I mean, just for humanity?
1: It's blind loyalty. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think uh, no politician should be idolized. No politician should replace our judgment uh, or our values. You know, you might have found some kind of common ground with Trump, whatever that is. Uh, And then still disagree at the direction he's taking our country and the way he is talking to people. I mean, we've had Republican presidents presidents before, and it wasn't like this. He's bringing in race, religion, income, ethnicity.
0: What I'm saying Uh, is I'm now seeing where at points I might mute somebody. And mute is a great social media feature. It really is. You just don't have to worry about seeing their, their, their feeding. more, boom, but you don't unfollow them or anything. It's just boom, and you kind of figure it out. Right now is the time where motherfuckers are getting muted. But the issue is one of my good friends, he's very close to his sister. Um, he had a, a somewhat tough upbringing, and so his sister and him are very super close. They're very close. He is a great dude. Me and him are close. There's things that me and him don't see eye to eye on. And now it's getting a little more difficult. The only problem is there's some things that are getting involved in my family and his family and everything else. And his sister is Kimberly (laughs) Guilfoyle of all the people in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can't say anything bad about Kimberly because, you know, it's tough. But at the same time, like, bro, your sister's running his campaign, you know? And at the same time, her boyfriend who might as well be, you know, her, her fiance soon or you know, husband is is Donald Trump Jr., you know, so it's tough. And I keep it very respectful, out of respect for her brother, Tony, my friend. And, you know, it's tough. And I'm like, hey, man, I don't mean to be, you know, crazy, but like all it takes is me being at the same table, you know, and I've, that's why I've been very transparent with my with my audience. And, um, you know, he's get, he's getting married next year. And my wife is his wife to be his best friend. And my wife and him his wife argue all the time about what's going on with the, with the world and you know she's defending trump and boom 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 and i'm just like yo dude there's no single way and, and i don't want to miss your wedding because you're my boy and, and i and i love your, you know you know your fiance but and i made the ring you know what i'm saying like but i can't be at the same table dog with you know dt jr and and you're because bro it's um, um curtains for me because everything i've said out the window and that leads me to the next question and um it's Because guilty by association is a motherfucker. It really is. It's sad. And we can't have these simple things as lunch and things like that. It's, we have to wait till, we can't wait till November 3rd. Because I tell people all the time, no president's being elected on November 3rd. It's going to take weeks after whatever it's going to be. He's going to go to court or whatever and sue whoever he's needs to sue if he doesn't win. And I don't know what the hell's going on. What I'm saying is January 13th, is that when when the president sits the new president sits what what's the day
1: yeah i mean that's his official inauguration somewhere around the 12th or the 13th okay I
0: think. so my question is is with this all going on there's somebody i idolized and and i idolize very few people and i really i talk speak i speak very uh passionately about you shouldn't idolize celebrities they shouldn't be put on such a high pedestal or certain things and you know with that being said there's been like bob marley and Bruce Lee. And these are two remarkable men in the world that were definitely made a lot of difference and change for people. And you know, that was something to got obviously not here anymore, but for me growing up in the rap game, me working with this man for years, me being, like I said, like this is somebody who was one of my favorite of all times, to hear Ice Cube talk about this platinum package and this, um the, the thing for black Americans. Now, my only issue is I spoke on I think the last episode or two episodes ago, I said, look, man, I exactly understand what Cube is doing. But at the very same time, this has to be the worst fucking timing for this right now. Just because you divert, you know, anything to get the man out of office and and he doesn't, he gets it, but at the same time, I honestly truly think that Cube doesn't realize that this man Trump cannot be bargained with. He's not bargaining with anybody. You know what I mean? He's not doing no, you can't bargain with the GOP either. Like, come on. So my question was, what do you think about the situation with Ice Cube and just this this whole situation?
1: I think that, you know, people are trying to figure out how to be heard. And specifically, the black community um, is a strong, powerful, influential community. And you have both Democrats, Republicans, trying to garner their support And I think they haven't figured out how. And uh, I think the easiest way is to to listen to them, right? And follow what their demands are and understand what they see as um, a response to their needs. And so I think many communities are still being talked at. So, you know, I think it's for the Black community to judge. But I feel like what Ice Cube is trying to do is, it sounds like, the Republicans were willing to hear me out and then give a response. Whereas the Democrats were like, yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to put it on our list.
0: Right. So my question, some people were saying that Biden already had it in his plan already, but I get what you're saying. And, you know, they're like, hey, well, listen, man, the Democrats already think they just have our vote. All I'm saying is this ain't the time to try to make that conversation to be like, when is a better time? It ain't now though.
1: I mean, I agree. I think there should be like zero exception. There is... Plenty of time to talk about the nuances of the race and what our demands are and how to respond to the needs of our community. But one thing that is not up for discussion is Trump has got to go. Like, that's just the bottom line. And we can, and you know, there'll be another election after this. You know, we'll have another opportunity to elect presidents. And I hope that people are going to run who are going to really reflect where our country needs to go and who are going to be willing to be inclusive of as many communities as possible and be responsive. But for right now, what we see happening here cannot be normalized. And I think that's what's been happening, right? When people try to justify Trump's word and his division and his hate, people come and be like, well, he didn't mean that silly. And You're like, no, he said he hate X people. Like he just, that's it, black and white, he said it. Um, and so we that's also something that's been so dangerous is that We've been able to increase how much of this hate we're able to stomach and normalize. And so it makes sense, right? So even somebody says, I think I understand Trump. We all we all jump on it like, well, you're a bad person. Well, I don't like Trump. I think Biden is better. Well, then you're a bad person.
0: Yeah. No one wants to hear anything after
1: that. The problem
0: is Biden is exactly the greatest person in the world and I've had to say it, but I'd say what I keep saying and, and each week I have a different metaphor, a different description of how I say it. And I'm like, look, with Biden, I feel like you're getting slapped in the face pretty hard. Okay. I said with Trump, you're getting shot in the face with a gun or you're getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. And the thing is, if you don't vote, And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get shot or you're going to get punched in the face. So that's what the situation is until we can kind of neutralize this.
1: And I think what's also very important for people to know is like the reason why it's this serious and this heightened and so much money is going into this is because they want your vote. They want want you to change how you're thinking to work in their favor. And so anyone says that if you say you're not voting, they win. And depending on who you vote for, it can also be a win for them. And so that's why we can't give up the vote. Your voice needs to be heard, And you do count as one person. Of course, you make all the difference in the world. You know, when back when Bush and Gore won, Gore lost by a handful of votes or whatever that decision was, right? We see elections all the time that are so but close to the Gore won. Because,
0: man. Is, go on. Yeah, yeah, go on.
1: I mean, but if he had won, by an exceeding yeah, margin yeah, 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 and, yeah. and even you know if it was like no questions asked then these games couldn't fly but that's why they break it down and they get petty and it gets confusing and so much information and so much bs and we can't separate it because it's hard to find the right sources and the real sources so we say you know what i'm not dealing with this mess I'm going to ignore it and I'm not going to vote and I don't talk about pogs, so I don't get involved. And then what you're really saying is, hey, strangers, go make decisions about me and my family without my no, input. No, for sure.
0: And then they get mad because they missed out. I'm like, well, wait a I didn't know. Well, motherfucker, why didn't you pay attention? And going on and going forward, I really do believe like, you know— um, when Obama on the first, you know, the first time he went against McCain, I mean, he smeared him. Like it was like, what, like 70, 30, 80, 20, like he killed him. There was no discussion. There's no way to even come close. I am f- hoping, and, and you know, I'm not paying attention to the polls. They say, you know, Biden's up by 11, 12. I'm hoping Biden wins by more than like 20. So it's not like some weird situation like Hillary, because she did win the, the popular vote, right? Whatever. But I just... Just this shit's just got to stop. It's just enough is enough, and, and it's just a crazy situation. I just, like I said, just like you said, he's got to get out. Period. There's just no that's it. And to end this interview, I wanted to to highlight something because I do talk to him every so often, and I had to bring him up because you know, one, I wanted this to be something that wasn't completely political only. But what was it like having a brother in the NFL, man? What's it like having, you know, a brother who plays in the
1: It's amazing. You know, it's amazing. Our day has worked hard since the beginning. I mean, Pee Wee football, he was always dedicated. In high school, he really shined. Um, Everything he did, he never cut himself short. He never did any shortcuts. And it's very rare to end up in the NFL and to be going as far and as long as he did. And he just does such a great job at balancing all of it, you know, the pressure to perform. To do well, to be where he wants to be, to take his team to new heights, and you know, but he'll always be my my little big brother. Um, and and I'm just uh, proud to see him soar. He just works uh, extremely hard for it, and he's very humble, and he's a gentle giant. No, he is. So it makes us very. By, proud. by the way, guys,
0: um, for you listening, just so you know, um, her brother is Abushi and he um he played for my beloved Seahawks, and that's how we became friends. And uh, when he um.
1: Shouting at him from the side. Yeah, I was yelling at
0: him. I used to troll him so hard. And, you know, my seats are are four rows from 40. So I'm basically right directly behind the visiting bench. So when he played for the Cardinals, he was like, who the fuck is this guy yelling this long? And when he turned around, if I could have took a picture of the look on his face, it was a look of this fucking guy and also the look of disgust and the look of thank God it's Ben. You know, those like all three in one. And like,
1: he was like, oh, I thought I was going to have yeah. to say something, but I see yeah, it's bad. Yeah, funny. I'm just going to let him have this but, one. But, you know, yeah.
0: people don't understand and the people who are, I have a, a mass majority of sports fans that follow me. And, you know, look, you're talking about an offensive lineman who has been able to be employed by, you know, teams several teams it is very difficult for what oday is doing and i commend him because he's killing it and he's just he's such a strong dude and it's just really amazing i'm so glad that he did connect me with you because when he brought up the conversation about you i was like are you fucking serious And he's like no i'm dead serious i was like bro you have a sister that's what i was like bro come on man and he's like why the fuck you say it like that and i'm like no no i'm just like bro that's crazy and then when you tell me you have 10 siblings or nine siblings like God damn. He's number nine. Jesus. That's just. So, um, uh, I'm sorry. How we end the show every time. Um, Every single guest that I have on this show. The last question is, I ask them, is there anything you'd like to ask me? (laughs) And that's the final question.
1: Yeah. What is it, you know, for you as a public figure coming out of what you traditionally have been involved with and stepping into politics um, at a time when it's so divisive? How do you navigate that and why did you feel it was important? Let me I'll just sum it up in a short way. Why did you feel it was important to go from the field that you're in and the public figure that you are and jump into politics
0: You know what? And everyone's gonna say, oh man, everyone says change. Everyone says change. I really am praying to God. And I don't pray very often, which I should pray more. Whatever you believe in, it could be anything. I don't knock any other religion. I'm just saying there's some people who have too much religion, but I don't knock anything. I'm a spiritual person and I haven't prayed enough, but I do pray for change because I have three children and I have an eight-year-old, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And I do, and I am fearful about, you know, the world they'll grow up in. And there has to be some sort of transition in a major one that I pray they can kind of grow up in harmony in a certain way. And people think immediately sometimes, or well, people I know, they think politics is involved with police and things like that. And you're doing something that's corny or whatever it may be. Look, I have never, ever in my entire life ever donated to a candidate in any which way in anything. I did endorse um, um, Villa La who's the mayor of Los Angeles one time at one point, And I forgot um, it was something else put up with my agent. This is different. This is on my own behalf and everything else. And it's more so that look, enough's enough. We let the reality person come in, fuck the country up. I can't believe that Kirstie Alley said today, guess what? I'm voting for this man because he's not a president. He's a person that can get us out of it. What the fuck are you talking about? You're voting for a guy because he's not a president and he's not political. That's like saying you're you're gonna ha- you're gonna get in a car with somebody who doesn't have a driver's license. Why would you want to get in a car? You know what I mean? Like, why would you want to get like?
1: Or like a doctor that doesn't need to be a doctor. Exactly.
0: So for that point, I felt like, look, most of my money has said anything that goes to do with my children. That's everything that I've done. I think that I've done enough to where um, I've had enough of the stupid, um, superficial things, luxury items, whatever. I've been, you know, I'm accustomed to a certain lifestyle. That's cool. Um, now it's gone to my kids' education. And this was something I was very, um, my wife was even tripping. She was like, wasn't you donated? What? And I'm like, well, goddamn, now that I got the Biden campaign texting me every 30 minutes, like (laughs) Jesus Christ, it's not going to stop. But that was just mostly for the future of, um, you know, my kids and and all the generations to, to follow. I just, Feel like, man, we gotta, we have to set a precedent, and we have to do something now, and we do have to, to demand change, and hopefully there is a reset. And once there's a reset, I feel like, all right, well, you know, let's see what happens from here.
1: That's excellent, and I, and I hope that's, I hope that people see that politics is not an option to get involved. Like it is life. People say it's not something we want to talk about. It's divisive. No, this is your life. Um, and these decisions are being made on behalf uh, on your behalf so you either are part of the conversation or you are okay with with that happening without your input
0: right and there it is ladies and gentlemen listen please make sure you are uh, how how could you, do you have a social media account uh, Tani? do you have
1: yeah you can find me tahani nyc on instagram and twitter or facebook and then you can also find me at tahani4da.com
0: oh amazing Tahani T-A-H-A-N-I-E 4-D-A I'm sorry what was it again?
1: yeah T-A-H-A-N-I-E F-O-R-D-A dot com Tahani 4-D-A dot com
0: amazing thank you so much for coming on the show yo Miles man get us out of here real quick with some Lakey Lake you guys enjoy that interview uh if you can please click the link on the episode notes and support my homie tahani abushi shout out to my boy ode um appreciate you getting your sister on the show and everything like that um i'm getting the most random texts and dms about bare bricks and i'm talking about from like girls like when i say girls i ain't talking about the i'm talking about girly girls chanel bags fucking you know uh collagen lip injection girls you know fake titty girls the whole night it's crazy it's weird again look at bear bricks this is something i love loved been loving okay it is a hobby i am a collector probably one of the biggest collectors of bear brick 1000s in the world right yes they're worth major money but i never got into it for that reason and i've always paid you know retail or got a deal and whatever and did my thing and i've been around it okay you guys are ass backwards out there. I remember there were guys early in the game who would buy a bare brick 1,000 for like 400 bucks just so they could flip it and like, you know, maybe make 800, 1,200 and then they'd go buy another. And I'm like, why? And then they'd say, well, you mind your business, you know, let me do what I want to do. I'm like, no, you're fucking up the game though. You're fucking up the culture of it. You're not in it for any other reason but to troll the game. You don't even know what this shit is about. You don't even know what the fucking artist behind this piece of art is. Yes, art, not a toy, okay? Because what kid under the age of 16 could actually afford a 1,000% bear brick, right? If you look at the side of the box, it says, not for anyone under the age 15. But anyways, man, it's a trip because I just checked my DMs during the break. And I'm like, yo, man, if I have another motherfucking celebrity rapper, oh, what's up with the bear bricks? And no offense, man. I'm just saying, I've been doing this shit since 2002. Anyways, yo, this show, Behind the Baller, is getting better and better, okay? Now, let me explain something to you guys, because I got a lot of complaints about, when I'm, look, they're, they're, that ain't shit, but there were a lot of complaints about Vegas Dave, right? So let me say this real quick. You not liking somebody is probably even better for my show, Okay? It brings in a bunch of different audience. I grow because I don't ever do one thing one-sided. A lot of you guys think, oh, you just think this one way. No, motherfucker. If something's wrong, then it's got to be corrected, okay? If you're going too far left, you got to go far right. I like balance, okay? I like to hear other sides of the story. I've heard the shady things about Vegas Dave, okay? I've had my own even little suspicions and stuff, right? I've witnessed a lot of realness with Dude, though. With him trying to buy things, whatever else. And boom, and I was cool. As you heard in the interview, I was like, he was gonna buy, you know, $400,000 watch, and I was good. I ain't tripping. My friends have actually done business with him, okay? But he's selling bet picks, gambling, okay? That ain't gonna be an easy thing, right? At the end of the day, it's a grown man's decision to make a choice on whether you're going to give him money for a play or not. It doesn't fucking matter. Look, I know it's wrong if he's like, yo, I win all the time. Everyone's winning, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Who's winning? Who's losing? Whatever. And what motherfucker that in their right mind would tell you that they were losing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm at a certain point, you know, a sucker's going to be born and, and it's like, you know, they're going to be attracted to it, whatever. And I'm not saying that he's a bad person. I'm saying he's a good salesman. You know, he found a niche. And if I knew about the Michael Jordan rookie PSA uh, 10, the FLIR card, that, that fake issue or whatever, I would have asked him. I ain't tripping, like bro. You see me? I called them out on Twitter. I'm like, yo, do you said that the Dodgers weren't even going to win it? You know, blah blah whatever. You had the fucking lock of the day and fucking Tampa Bay. I ain't tripping, man. Again, look, one of my business partners has bought picks from him consistently, and said for the most part he's won most of them. Right? I think he does it every day. But look, I also love to hear, like I said, two to even three sides of a story. Okay. With that said, look, you know what? I ain't tripping because you want to want to hear something. I don't this is like journalism. I'm reporting the news, good, bad, whatever it may be on CNN. They might interview somebody who murdered somebody. I don't owe a single person anything. Like real shit, I don't owe anybody any money. I never frauded anyone. And yes, I've been you know known to call out guys like jet set life or like uh, who's the fuck Jay Mazzini. People like that who are 100% perpetrating a fake lifestyle, a fraud, multi-level marketing, selling a bogus fucking, you know, marketing scheme, whatever the fuck it is. But again, this is a man who's selling betting picks. I'm just putting in perspective for you guys. It's called gambling. There are no sure winners, okay? You should know that. Be like, oh, he's a scammer. Look, man, if he's fucking lying, he's selling. I'm not saying it's honest or whatever it may be. I'm just letting you guys know I'm also not defending him. Now, if Vegas Dave was selling tangible items like a car or some shit that broke down, that's a different fucking story, okay? In a way, maybe he knows that's just the easier thing. But I'm telling you guys, yo, you guys are tripping. I'm going to actually get anybody who seems to be entertaining. But again, be like, oh, why'd you give somebody a platform? Bro, someone's got to be convicted, man. You know, and again, be like, oh, well, there's a lot of people, whatever, blah, blah. No, look, eventually R. Kelly got convicted, okay? People are out there and, you know, I truly feel like if Michael Jackson, you know, was living longer, the truth would have came out. And now no one knows, right? People say, well, boom, this, whatever. It's, it's difficult to say. All I'm saying is, as much as I hate Donald Trump, I'd have Donald on my show. I would have Dick Stane Donald Trump on my show. And I'd 100% ask him all the tough questions, okay? And as far as Vegas Dave, is Vegas, are, are his picks sus? Is his wins record... Fugazi, I'll ask him if he ever does the show again, he wants to do the show. You know what the funny thing is, the show fucking peaked at 20 something, like we went hard, you know? He does have a documentary coming out as he said, but look, I don't know, enough of that. Just wanna let you guys know that this is my show. You know, we do what we gotta do. And I'm not desperate at all for guests, clients, I'm not desperate for anybody's shit. I have built something and people are generally interested in what I got to say, and it's a blessing, okay? But speaking of betting, I tell you guys what my record is. You can go back and fact check it. That's how I live. That's how I want to be, okay? But I'm also not selling bets. I'm keeping it 100, okay? I'm just letting you guys know. Again, you can go back to archive shows. We don't delete shit. We don't edit shit. You know, we don't fucking ever in every million fucking years have I ever re-recorded a show or anything, Okay? You, you can go and check all my bets and see my things. And you look at me, oh, fuck you, dude. Shut the fuck up. I have dudes who really are solid bettors. And you're like, okay, nah, I ain't gonna lie to you. It's impressive. But let's see what happens at the end of the season. I mean, man, we're almost halfway done. But look, with that said, shout out to mybookie.ag. This episode is brought to you by mybookie. And if you sign up now, you could use promo code behind the baller. And that gives you up to $1,000 in free play for new users only. Just so you guys know, I laid my money down for five weeks. You know, I had 11 down to 17. I was up like 24, went down to 18. Look, I finally cashed out just about a week ago, a good amount. So, yo, let's get it in, get a pen out, because here are this week's picks. Tonight, Thursday Night Football. I like the Eagles minus five over the Giants. All right, let's get to that Sunday slate. I like the Bengals plus three and a half over the Browns. I like the Cowboys in a pick'em over the Washington football team. Worst fucking stupidest name in the world. I like the Lions plus two over the Falcons. I like the Panthers plus seven and a half over the Saints. I like the Packers minus four over the Texans in a lock. I think that fucking Cowboys is a fucking lock too, but you know what? We'll fuck who knows with fucking the way this shit's going. I like the Steelers plus one over the Titans. I like the Niners plus two over the Patriots. I like the Chiefs minus nine and a half over the Broncos. I like the Chargers minus seven and a half over the Jaguars, and my Seahawks minus three and a half over the Cardinals to go six and O in a lock motherfucking Seahawks got to do that 6-0. Sunday night in a lock, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus three and a half over the Raiders. Get this bet in now before the line moves. Bet on that now before the line moves. And usually I do the money night pick on Monday night. I'm gonna give it to you now. I like the Bears plus six over the Rams. We'll see what happens in a little bit. And those are my picks for this weekend's NFL games. Um, to the hobby, there's really not much to talk about. My George Brett autographs drop tomorrow, bbdtc.com. You already know. Um, I'm dropping Ben Baldy, the chain t-shirts. They're graphics with the 3D, kind of like the pen and pixel, like old school, no limit, you know, the diamond t-shirts. Never dropped them in white before. Only dropping 80 tees. So they will go fucking really, really, really fast. My Dodger tees sold out in like two seconds, right? Um, my George Brett autographs, again, dropped tomorrow around 10 a.m., 10-10, probably somewhere around there, and um, look, we are getting closer to my man Ken Griffey Jr.'s card. That card is going to cause hysteria. Just know that, all right, guys? Also, next weekend, all right, next Friday, not this Friday, not tomorrow, next Friday, the San Diego boxes go on sale, so those of you who want to get up and do the meet and greet, chop up some shit, chop up some game, whatever it may be. It'll be in a private location. You will know where it is when you obviously purchase the box. Um, two nights ago was the Platinum Quick Strike, was the first PML evening Quick Strike. I'm sorry, guys. I had a big interview with Paul Rodriguez, a.k.a. P-Rod. I could not push it back. And um, on top of that, I had the World Series 2. We took the L on last night's game, and I think like we looked okay, but... I know how how raw we are. You know what I'm saying? We are raw for sure. I think Dodger's still in five. This is the squad for sure. This squad is it for real. Kershaw really showed up in game one. Mookie and Cody are fucking beasts. I really think we got this. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, again, um, I'm going to drop that P-Rod interview because that's my dog. Fucking one of the best skaters that ever walked the planet. And uh, that's going to probably drop next Thursday. Episode 128, I believe. All right? Um, side note, I've been doing an insane amount of charity these days, and I'm telling you, in a matter of a year, in the last 10 years, I think I get like maybe two to four people a year that ask me for loans, ask me to donate, boom. This past month alone, I've had at least 30 people ask me. It is fucking crazy, okay? A lot of the charity that I've been doing for has been for Armenia, all right? And as I mentioned previously on the show, I've been around Armenians for 30 plus years. I understand what the Armenian genocide is, okay? Seeing the hate from these fucking idiots and trolls about my support for them is a goddamn shame, all right? I'm not supporting terrorism, you fucking idiots. That shit's going on in your country. You guys are treating motherfuckers over there like on some straight up, seriously, you guys are treating them how the the, the Nazis treat the Jews and how these fucking people, how these white motherfucking supremacists treat the black people, all right? Azerbaijani people, the saying that we support terrorism is fucking laughable. You can't cyber bully me. Okay, like Cardi B, who doesn't know what the fuck is going on. She don't know shit. She's like, oh, shit, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. I don't know what's up. Nah, fuck that. tripping. I ain't fucking backpilling nothing. I've been seeing the drama go on for years. I've been going, and I know the history of Armenian Genocide. This is Armenian Genocide 2.0. You need to get the fuck out of here. You got the wrong person. All right, y'all? So, yo, we're wrapping up this weekend. I will be answering fan questions. Um, I might throw in jackass of the the week. I'm pretty sure I will. So make sure to go to the Behind the Baller podcast page. Leave a five-star review in question format. And if you do, I will answer it live on the show. I will shout your name out, all that stuff, whatever it may be. You can fucking ask me anything you fucking want, and I'll answer it. All right, guys? Yo, that is it for this episode. Another banger in the archives, in the history books. I'll see you guys. After the weekend is over, I hope you guys have a blessed weekend. Listen, always remember to make it a great day. And that's it, y'all. Yo, Lakey like homie. Take us to the crib, my G.